0: Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just wanna say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, we wanna say welcome as we conclude this series called Faith and Fitness. I've appreciated this series. Pastor Keith kicked the series off a couple weeks ago, and the key word was rethink helping us rethink the way we look at ourselves. And it's key because belief always determines behavior. Always has, always will. And there are two key things that Pastor Keith shared in that message that I hope stays with you and I, because it's a, it's a game changer. First is when he said that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a divine occupant. You have a divine occupant. It says that we are not our own anymore, that when we accept Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ we become, then he comes and lives in us. Is that good news? That is great news. Absolutely. It's a game changer. But then he said the second thing is that we also then have a divine obligation. We have eternal responsibility to then use the body that God has given us for his glory in every way, shape, and form. The last week, Pastor, Keith, or Pastor Nick Oveden Nick shared, it was in such a great way, the understanding of what it means to refuel. To refuel ourselves, not to neglect our body or try to perfect our body or reject it, but rather to respect it. And what does it mean to refuel ourselves and love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength? Well, I'm super grateful that Pastor Keith, who I love with all my heart is my pastor, my friend, has asked me if I would open up God's Word with you today. And so if you have your Bibles, please open up to 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll be looking at the New Living Translation. Today we're going to look at how to reshape yourself. Rethink, refuel, now reshape. Which means this, how do we take what we've learned the last couple of weeks and we put hands and feet to it? We put it into action so it doesn't just stay here, but it goes inside of us as well. Pastor Keith, the first week, said that we need to admire Ourselves What God has created, and then after that point, adore that he's made you exactly the way he wanted you. Every one of you is perfectly, exactly the way God destined you to be. We live in a world of comparisons, and so many people don't like who God made. No, you are exactly who God made you to be. And then to show affection, that it's not a place to be worshipped, but a place of worship. Now, we're going to get to 1 Corinthians here in a second. I want us to start off by reading a verse together out of Romans 12. Romans 12, it'll set kind of the, the mental thought for us as we start today. Would you read it with me? Romans 12, 1, here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. God had said to offer our bodies as a sacrifice. Your body, my body, is an offering to God. It's a continuous offering. It's not a one-time offering. It's a continuous. Fitness is a constant state of motion. It's not the picture at the beach or at the swimming pool when they're going to take a picture and you put your chest out and suck your stomach in and then say, hurry up, take the picture. No, This is an ongoing form of fitness that we are to be a part of, okay? But now I want to read the next verse to you because it's a key for what we're going to talk about. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't don't think the way this world thinks, but be transformed by the, what's the word? Renewing, I'm going to use the word reshaping, renewing, reshaping of your mind. Then you'll be able to test, that's a word we'll come back to later, test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are to reshape, renew our minds. How do we do that? What we do is we do it according to God's principles for our lives. One of the things I love about God's word is the fact that all the principles in God's word are designed for you and I to have health. God designed you to have health, Health not just physically, though. He wants you to have healthy relationships. He wants your marriage to be healthy. He wants you to be healthy emotionally, financially. Every principle there is for your health. In fact, Proverbs 4 says it this way. Pay attention to my words, for they are health to a man's whole body. How many of you want health in every area of your life? Absolutely. I would hope you do. Great. So that's what we want to talk about today. How do we get that? So let's look now at 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to start at verse 24. Here's what it says. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Say win. win. All athletes are disciplined. Say disciplined. disciplined. In their training. They do it to win. Say win. win. A prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with Purpose, say purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline, say discipline, my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Father God, through your Holy Spirit, would you now speak to us? God, you have come into us. As a follower of you, we have a divine occupant, we also have a divine obligation, but God, would you now talk to us collectively and individually about what that means in the areas of our life that we need to reshape so we can honor you? So God, you speak. We'll listen. We'll obey. And all God's people said? There were two words in that scripture that I had you repeat. One was the word, when. God created you to win. And he wants you to win in every area of your life. You should want to win in every area of your life. If you have a marriage, you should want your marriage to win. If you have a family, you want your family to win. If you are financials and look at your financial life, you should want to win financially, emotionally. In every area of your life, you should want to win. But there was a second word that we had to repeat. What's that word? Discipline. How many like the word winning better than the word discipline? We all do. But the word's go together, because you cannot win in any area of life without discipline. If I want to win in my marriage, I have to be totally disciplined in what I think about, what I talk, my habits. If you want to win physically, you have to be disciplined in what you put in your body, what we do with our body. We'll talk more about that in a second. If you want to win in any aspect of relationships, in finances, you have to be disciplined. The two words go together. Now, I think part of the problem is the fact that you and I really don't understand what value we are. Not just to God, but just our value. So for example, if I said, could we agree that you treat something differently if it's worth $10 than if it's worth $10 million? Could we agree that we treat it differently? Absolutely. If I said, how much are you worth? Just let me throw a couple thoughts out. Don't respond, but if I said, I'll give you a million dollars for one of your arms, I would hope you would never take that. If I said, I'll give you a million dollars for one of your legs, what if I said, I'll give you two million for both your eyes, well, it wouldn't take very long, and you would be well over $10 million, and yet I see a lot of people that treat their bodies like it's $10 when they were created to be of infinite worth and value. So today, what we want to do is we want to look at what the Bible says that you are, and then three disciplines, if you want to win, three disciplines that we need to go for. So who's ready to learn from God's Word? You ready? Ready? Okay, here we go. Here's what your what the Bible says your body is. First of all, it says that my body is a house. Say that with me. My body is a house. It obviously houses our, our brain, our mind, it houses our internal organs, but also houses our emotions. It houses our imagination. It houses everything about us. But it's not just a house, and it's not just any house. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians he says, to put it another way, you are. God's house. It's God's house. Now, if you own a home, how many of you know that there are a few things that you need to kind of keep doing to maintain the house? If, if you do nothing with the house for the next two, three, four years, don't touch a thing in it, will the house get better or worse? Obviously, we understand that. And how long do you have to keep doing maintenance on your house? Forever until you don't have the house anymore, Right? My uh, my father-in-law, who's in heaven now, is a wonderful man, Cindy's dad. He was like a MacGyver. Any of you remember the old show MacGyver? I mean, MacGyver, he could fix anything with dental floss. I mean, he just could do it, you know. That was my, my father-in-law. He could fix anything. So Cindy marries me, thinking like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I have two tools in my toolbox, two tools, a cell phone and a checkbook. Those are my Those are my two tools, I am not that guy, okay? But I understand this, there's ongoing preventive maintenance in a house, because if you don't do preventive maintenance, can we agree, you're gonna pay for something major down the road if you don't pay it now, right? The same truth is with our body. Our body's a house, and so preventive maintenance makes sure that it now is the best it can be for the long haul, we don't pay for it in the end. So our body's a house, but here's the second thing the Bible says our body is. My body is a temple. Say that with me. My body is a temple. Now, the temple of God used to be a place that you went to. Not anymore. When Jesus Christ comes into you and you follow Jesus, now He resides inside of you. You are a temple. In fact, First Corinthians says this: Do you not know that you are a temple of God? Think about that. Do you not know that you're a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells? In you, now that's not Sundays at ten thirty for an hour. That is every day of every week of every year. Your body is a temple. Let me ask you: if you came today and there were just bags of garbage, different bags of garbage sitting around, and you go, "Well, what's what's going on?" We said, "Well, kind of a busy week here, and so we didn't get all the garbage brought outside. So this is the garbage kind of from the week." Oh. Next week, more bags of garbage, and then more bags of garbage, more bags of garbage. Would you be okay with that? I don't think you would, and I don't think you should. Why? Because you don't put garbage in a sanctuary. You don't put garbage in a temple. Hmm. My body is a temple. Your body's a temple. You don't put garbage in a temple. Garbage mentally, morally, spiritually, physically. You don't do it. Galatians 2 says it this way I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but here it comes. But Christ lives where? In me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My body's a house, my body's a temple. I have a divine occupant, but here's the third one. My body is a gift. Say that with me. My body is a gift. Romans 12 said that what we should do with our body and what we do with it is an act of worship. Everything I have is God's, everything. God doesn't owe me anything. He owns me. And so what I do with my body is a worship back to him. If you, if you rent, if you rent something, do you just trash it? No, why? Because it's not yours. You're just renting it. It's, somebody else owns it. My body, your body is a rental. We will give back our bodies to God someday. That's why Pastor Key said we have an eternal obligation because we will give an account for our bodies to God someday. My body is a gift. So repeat after me My body's a house. house. My body's a temple. My My body is a a gift. With that thought process, now let's look at the three disciplines, if you want to win, the three disciplines of reshaping our bodies. Here's the first one. Rest it. Just rest it. In fact, do this, would you? Just close your eyes for a minute. Just close your eyes. And take a deep breath in. Hold it. Just let it go. Take it in. Hold it. Let it go one last time. Take it in, hold it, let it go. You know, things are different than when I grew up as a kid. When I grew up as a kid, most businesses closed at 6 o'clock at night. Maybe a few stayed open until 8 o'clock, maybe. Sundays, huh, there is nothing open. Nothing open on Sundays. In fact, television shut off at midnight. Any of you old enough to remember that if you fell asleep and and you slept past midnight and the TV was on, what you saw? Yeah, you saw snow, you saw bars, you saw something. <laughs> That's not the case. When does it shut down now? It never shuts down. It's 24-7. It never stops. Interesting. it was not meant to be that way, though. Nick shared this scripture last week from Genesis 2. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all his work of creation. Interesting. God went 24-6. We think we can go 24-7. We think we can do something that God didn't do. Busyness, it's a sign of accomplishment. In fact, the, the favorite word for us physically is the same word for us financially, charge. <laughs> That's what it is. But here's the reality, you, you and I can't charge unless we recharge. You have to rest it. There's three areas in which we need to be, become people of rest. The first one is to rest physically. To rest physically. Can we agree that there's just a lot of stress That people just carry a lot of stress with them and stress on them. Stress comes from running. And we're running because we have, oh, so much we have to do. There's a phrase when I was a kid that said this, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It also says this, all work and no play means Jack's dead. Jack doesn't know Jack. Here's the key. Go to sleep rather than sleep to go. Go to sleep rather than sleep to go. Because there's a big difference between rest and sleep. Can we agree with that? Has there ever been a time where you've gone to sleep, but you woke up and you weren't rested? Or you go to sleep and there's clenching of the teeth, grinding the teeth, or stuff because there's all kinds of things that you took to, to, quote, sleep with you kind of thing. Here's what it says in Psalm 127. God wants his loved ones to get their what? Hmm, it doesn't say sleep. If I ask you, what time does your morning start or what time does your day start? You might say, I don't know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., maybe for some it's later. Can I give you a thought? If you look at the Old Testament, how God created days and how he taught the Israelites, the day was not when the sun rose. It's when the sun set. That's when the start of the day was. So let me give you a thought. What if you and I Basically, started our day in the West instead of the East. Start your day in the West instead of the East. I've been doing this for the last couple months. I'm not perfect on this one yet, but I can tell you this. The the difference it's made in me in the last couple months, I'm thrilled with. Here's what I mean that. I used to start my mornings in the East, okay, which means before I go to bed, okay, there's what last thing to do, what last things to do. Let's fill the day up. Let's get it done, okay, accomplish a lot. And then, okay, let's go to bed. Thank you, God, for this day, and let's go to bed, and then, okay, sleep, sleep, I need sleep. And then you wake up in the moonlight. Ah, I've got to get sleep. Because i got so much i got to do tomorrow. And then wake up, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Hmm, It's not how God designed it. Instead, what if we started our days in the West? And here's what I've been doing. Before I sleep, I start my day. My day starts about an hour before I sleep. And here's what I've been doing. I've been taking some of the principles God's taught in his word, and I now take and I rest myself mentally. What things have I carried today? I'm just going to let it go. What things do I need to let go of emotionally, to rest emotionally? Spend some time reading. Spend some time in God's word. Spend some time in prayer. Just rest in my mind, my heart, and now I'm ready to rest my body. And in doing so, here's what happens. When I wake up during the night, it's not, oh, i got to get to, it's, oh, God, is there something you want to talk to me about? Is there something you want to say to me? And then when I do wake up, from that point on, it's okay, God, this is your day. You've already been going. I'm just now entering your day instead of you coming to my day. And it has made a huge difference for me. I encourage you start your day in the West, not the East. The deepest sleep for all of us, called a REM sleep, is between 11 at night and 3 in the morning. And sometimes for people who stay up really late, they might, quote, still get eight hours of sleep, but they don't get rest. It's key for you and I. Here's what Isaiah 40 says in the message, and I love how it says it. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall, but those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. It says it'll give us wings, but here's what has happened to us now. We don't need those wings. We drink our wings we do. It's called caffeine. It's become the new Holy Spirit. In fact, one of the energy drinks says it'll give you wings. So within, within one mile of here, what do we got? We got uh, scooters. We got Starbucks. We got Caribou. We have Dunn Brothers. We have Cafea, And any other place you, you stop in, you can get any kind of energy that you need in life. But the problem, you still don't have rest. Hmm. Interesting how we do it that way. Faith walks out when fatigue walks in. You and I need to rest it physically. Here's the second thing of rest, though. We need to rest it mentally. We just need to rest mentally. Psalm 91 says this, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. will find rest. Can we agree that we as humans just worry too much? How many would be willing to admit that? Worry. In fact, if I said, What do you worry about? It'd be interesting what the different things would come. Is it the future? Is it things financially? Is it the, I I don't, what what do you worry about? You know what's interesting? Penn State University did a study and they found out this eight, eight percent of what people worry about ever happen. Eight percent, which means less than one of 10 things that you and I worry about will ever take place. And yet we worry about it all the time and because that we never rest mentally. Studies have shown that worry doesn't add one single second to your life, but worry can take years away from it. About a month ago, I was reading Ecclesiastes, and I know I've read this verse before, but man, I don't know if it just didn't catch me or whatever else, but I read this verse, and I want you to read it with me, because I think it's a verse you and I might want to memorize, okay? Ecclesiastes 11, read it with me, would you? So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. Think about this. So refuse to worry and keep your body what? healthy. And it's one sentence. It's not two sentences. So if you want to keep your body healthy, do what? Refuse to worry. That's how it puts it, to rest yourself mentally. Now you might say, how do I refuse to worry? Well, David gives us the answer in Psalm. Psalm 46, it says, be still and know that I'm God. doesn't say be active. Be still and know that I'm God. Maybe it's again starting your day in the west versus the east. and the last hour, you shut the cell phone off. Nothing to look at, nothing to have to respond to. Shut it off. Put it down. Shutting all the electronics off. Just shutting it all down. Letting your mind rest. Spending time with God. Spending time in God's word. Just letting your mind rest mentally. You know, they always said this, never make a major decision till you've slept on it. I think that's a great thought process. See, when you rest your mind, you actually can think clear in all ways, shapes, and forms. I think it's interesting that in the Bible, almost every person that God used greatly were forced, were forced into solitude. In prison, wilderness, cave, name it, it was. And man, we spend zero time in it. We need to rest Rest physically, rest mentally. But here's the third one, rest weekly. Rest how often? It's called a Sabbath. Exodus 34 says it this way, six days are set aside for work, but every seventh day you must rest completely. Even during your seasons of plowing and harvest, you must observe a Sabbath day of rest. Friends, this is not a suggestion. This is a command by God, and it's one of the 10 it's equal to don't commit adultery, don't commit murder. It's equal to that. That's how important God said it was, the Sabbath. And yet what we do is we take a, quote, day off and we fill it with every imaginable thing possible. And we don't create a Sabbath for ourselves. God says, I need you to take a Sabbath because I designed you 24-6, not 24-7. It's key for us. It's important. I don't know if any of you have ever had in your landscaping solar-powered lights. If you do, then you understand that the lights come on at night if they've had what during the day? Sun during the day. The Sabbath, you know what the Sabbath is for me? That's it for me. It's a reset. Man, where I get sunshine here to reset my day, to reset my week, to live 24-6, not 24-7. David says it this way in Psalm 23, he makes me lie down. Sometimes God will just force you. It could be by getting sick. It could be by writing things because stress, all that kind of stuff could cause those kinds of things. And God will sometimes force us if we don't do it ourselves. So what's the first key to reshaping ourselves? You have to rest it. Here's the second one. You have to now test it. You have to test it. So you've rested, but now you have to test it. Jesus was very strong physically. He walked everywhere. He was a carpenter, worked with his hands. The hours he endured on the cross were an example of how strong he was physically. If, if I asked you, how many of you know that physical exercise is important and good for you? How many of you say you know it? You know physical exercise is good for you. Okay, every hand would raise. Don't raise your hand, but if I said, how many of you then exercised three times this past week? I think it'd be interesting that there'd be probably a number of less hands, possibly, so we know it, but we don't do it. To know and not to do is not to know. To know and not to do is not to know. Teddy Roosevelt said it this way, the human body has two ends on it, one to create with and the one to sit on. Sometimes people get their ends reversed. <laughs> Pretty true. So a couple areas to test. Number one, you have to test your body if you want to win, you have to discipline. The Bible says you must discipline your body, which says exercise, exercise. Now, I'm not saying you have to go to a gym. Get out and move, get out and move. It could be because now the days are getting nicer. Take a long walk. Do something to get your body in motion. Now, there's all kinds of things. We could talk all day about the benefits that God's word says of exercise, and it's important. Here's a couple of them. One of them is it helps you maintain strength and mobility as you get older. How many of you are older than you were a month ago? Okay. As you get older, you lose flexibility and mobility and strength unless you keep it moving. It's important for you to do that. Again, you can pick the form of exercise, but you need to do that to keep yourself in motion. For me, it's early in the morning. That, that's what it is for me. And for me, it's a gym. I, that's what I, but it doesn't have to be for you. But I do it every morning. And for me, I do it because I know this. I need to be, I've now started my day in the West. So now I've had rest. And now I'm going to get my body motion because my body's been in a state of not moving. I need to get my body moving with it, okay? But then a second benefit kicks in. It's called endorphins. and have you heard about them? Yeah, the mind produces a hormone called endorphin. And endorphins have great stuff. It relieves stress, it reduces pain, it improves your mood, it gives you more energy. It's a natural upper that your body releases. How does it release it? Exercise. When you exercise, your body releases that into you. So rather than drinking it, just move. Get some movement going. But the other thing it does, it reduces stress. Man, there's all kinds of studies, friends, on. In fact, I'll say it this way. From my perspective, it seems like the amount of cancers, the amount of autoimmune immune diseases is greatly higher than I've ever seen it before. Anybody think that way? I see it that way all the time. The amount of stress, connection to disease, medical science has shown it. So when you move the body, when you discipline the body, get it moving, test it, it does those kinds of things for you. It's all good things for you. But you also have to test your mind. Not just discipline your body, but discipline your mind. I love this verse in Philippians 4. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, which says, it's important, one final thing. What's the word as he says next? Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. He said one final thing, fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of God. Praise. Hmm. Fix it. Fix your mind on those things. G-I-G-O. Good in? Good out. Garbage in? I just read this. It's the lightest study uh, released two months ago. How much television does the average American watch per year? How many hours does the average American watch television per year? 1,692 hours per year. Now, what does that mean? Here's perspective. If you watch television 24 hours a day, nonstop, 24 hours a day, and did it for 70 days, almost two and a half months, that's how much television the average American watches per year. If you live to age 80, you know what that is? 24 hours a day for 15 years, the average American watches television for 15 years. Think about that. How many of you have ever watched television for three hours plus and you've gone, man, I am so stimulated. My mind is so invigorated. (laughs) I don't think so. What if you took three hours per week, instead of doing that, test your mind, discipline your mind, take one of the classes. Take one of the classes. Our classes will start again in the fall. We're finishing this one up right now, but we'll start again in the fall with Old Testament and then New Testament. If you've never taken the Old Testament, it'll change you. It'll absolutely change you. I I just challenge you, test your mind. Discipline it. So the Bible says if you want to reshape, do the best you can, you first of all have to rest it. The second thing you do, you have to test it. Your body and your mind. Here's the third thing. Then put the best into it. So you rest it, start on the west, not the east. Okay, start your day that way, rest your mind. In the front. Now we test, we discipline, we exercise our body, we exercise our mind, but now we put the best into it. Now obviously, you put the best into it physically. The uh, Kentucky Derby was yesterday. I don't know any horse fans or, or watch that at all, but interesting, if, if you owned a horse in the Kentucky Derby, which these are million-dollar animals, okay, unbelievable. Question, would you, like, feed it french fries and chips and candy and let it drink beer and pop and smoke cigarettes? Don't think so. And yet, we've already determined our bodies are ten times that. You put the best into it. 1 Corinthians 6 says it this way in the message. You know the old saying, first you eat to live, then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food. Since the master honors you with a body, body, honor him with your body. Did you catch that? It's a divine obligation. See, what if we saw ourselves as a soul that had a body with it versus a body that just has a soul in it? 1 Corinthians 10 says, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So when I go into my day, am I putting the best into my body? Am I putting the best into it? Am I exercising, but am I putting the best into it? But let me go one more step. Am I putting the best into my mind, in my spirit, into my heart? Am I putting the best into that? Let me, let me encourage you to live with three things. Live with three things. First of all, Live with power. Live your life with power. And I mean God's power through God's word. Friends, if you are not yet where a habit of reading God's word daily is a part of your life, man, can I encourage you, challenge you, if there was one thing to reshape yourself, spend time in God's word every day. I've been walking with some guys who that has not been a part of their life, and so I've been walking with them 30 days at a time. And here's what I told him. I said, the five W's. Why, what, where, when, who? Why? Why should I read God's word? It says every principle in God's word is for our health. Okay, so I want to read it for my overall health in all areas of my life. What? What should I read? If, I've, if, if you're not a person who's read the Bible regularly, what, what should I start reading? Start in the book of Mark. Start in the book of Mark. Okay, great. Now, where? Where in your place either your home or where is it, that you will read it every day. For me, it's my chair in my living room. My chair in my living room. When? When in your day? For me, it's the morning. But when is it for you? Pick a time for 10 minutes. If, if you can't get 10 minutes, then at least grab a verse. Get a verse and let it meditate. But if you can, not grab, grab moments and just read God's word. But when, every day, and the last one's key, who? Who's gonna hold you accountable? Find a person and say, listen, is it okay if I text you every day what I've been reading? Every day what I've been reading? In 30 days, you can build a habit, and it will change your life. It absolutely will. So put yourself in a spot where you get God's power in your life. But let me two other things. Live your life with purpose. Live your life with purpose. Man, don't chase a paycheck. Chase purpose in your life. Jesus had purpose in his life. It was to seek and save the lost. He created you to be alive at this point in time for his purpose live your life with purpose. This is my notebook. Every morning when I get up, start my day in the west. But when I do wake up, first thing I do is I'm going to get my body moving. And when I'm on the elliptical, when I'm on the treadmill, this is just me. This is my notebook. In it is everything that God says about me. I read what God says about me. Because how do you know that my mind sometimes wants to think the negative. No, I'm going to agree with what God's word says. But in here also goals, dreams, things that God's put in my heart, things that I believe are things that he wants in his life. Plus, he says, I can tell him the desires of my heart. It's all here. It's purpose. Man, people talk about, when are you going to retire? Uh, when I die? Until the time God takes me, man, I, I'm, I'm here. There's work to be done. So, man... Live your life with power, but live your life with purpose will then give you the third one. Live your life with passion. Man, live your life with passion. And sometimes I'll go to sporting events, and are the the fans passionate at some sporting events? Look what they wear. Oh, my word, they're hollering and yelling and cheering the draft, the NFL draft. They're cheering for their team, cheering, cheering, cheering. And then we come to church. Man, live your life with passion, friends. Because where does the Holy Spirit live? In you. Where does Jesus live? In you. It should be passionate. Here's my prayer. When I start my day in the West, rest in my mind, my heart, my spirit, my last prayer before I rest physically, I say, God, I'm ready. My bags are packed. I'm, I tell them this every night. I'm, I'm ready. My bags are packed. And if I, when my eyes open up, I'm in heaven and I see you, Woo! Yeah! That is a great day. That's a great day. But if my eyes wake up, I'm here. Woo! Why? You have work for me. You have work for me. Let's go. Let's go. Where do you, where, where do you need? What do you need? Man, Christians should be the most passionate people there are because the Holy Spirit lives in you, friends. That's why we talked about it. It says, you have a divine occupant in your life. You have a divine obligation. I think what Pesky says is so true, the fact that there will come a time for all of us, we will open our eyes and we will see Jesus, and we'll have to give an account for what we did in this house, this temple, this gift. We'll have to give an account. Man, friends, let's, let's rethink it now. Let's, let's refuel, let's reshape it now so then we can hear him say, well done. Well done then. Let's finish with where we started. Don't you realize in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadowboxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Rest it, test it, put the best into it. What is your takeaway? What is the one thing you need to start with today to reshape yourself? What is it? Starting your day in the West? How you rest your mind? Is it testing your mind? Is it testing your body? Exercise? What is it for you? Putting the best into it? What's the one thing? Let's be the best we can because he gave the best for us. Father God, we say thank you that your word is so true. God, it's a living word. And we say thank you, Father God, that that this body you gave us, it's a house, it's a temple, it's a gift. It's you, it's yours. You live in us, so God, help us. What is it that we need, God? Would you speak? Do I need to rest it differently? Do I need to test it more? Do I need to put the best in it. What is it? Because I want to hear the words, well done, God. I want to hear the words, well done. We love you. We say thank you, and we praise you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.